Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. For over 20 years, Dr. James Maxwell and his team at Crestwood Dental have been providing quality care to patients of all ages. They offer a variety of services from cleanings to cosmetic dentistry and restorations with today's most advanced technology, including the most up-to-date lasers, digital x-rays, and impressions. They offer Invisalign and custom aligners with their 3D printer. Crestwood Dental accepts most insurance plans and a membership program for uninsured patients. Schedule today at 314-463-5655 or CrestwoodDental.com. This is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango, and former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. It is the Last Minute Blues Podcast. Donnie, Jeff, Jamie, We've got good hockey things to talk about. That's a really nice thing. It's a really, really nice thing. Yesterday when Tarasenko scored the goal, I was yelling at my TV. A slew of expletives that included, (laughs) if you did that more often, you'd score more goals. And, oh, look, somebody came to play today, and they're very good. Awesome. Uh, This is why we get so frustrated with 91, because when he turns it on, Whoa, baby. baby. Yeah. (laughs) But when he doesn't, it's incredibly freaking obvious, man. You know what I loved about him turning it on? Because you and I got to text over it. We were actually complimenting 91. Were we not? Yeah, absolutely. Hey, this guy's got a little bit of life. Dude, we're not bothering you because you're working. You talked about this already. up, Mr. Hockey, that you told us to leave you alone during games. I did not say that. You said leave us alone 24 hours beforehand and 24 hours after. That is not true. All I said is you may not. Jeffrey? I said, you may not get a response. I did not say you couldn't text. In fact, it was very entertaining to go back and read the text. (laughs) I feel somewhat butthurt right now. Oh, man. Well, dude, it's more than anything else. It's just us not trying to bother you. That's really, truthfully, all that is. I was just selling. I use that same excuse on people. Oh, I'm sorry I didn't didn't want to bother you, you know. You know what, though? The neat thing about (laughs) the neat thing that I have learned from this podcast and Donnie and I ask, and if anybody's new to this, Donnie and I are fans sitting in the stands watching games and then asking a former NHL player questions that come up. And then the great thing is, and I hope everybody out there is doing this, is listen to what Jamie says and then watch games and remember what he says. Yeah. Because when you see stuff, and I've seen people on Twitter say, hey, Jamie, I remember when you said this, check this out, blah, blah, blah. blah. That's what I love about this. And I'll give you an example. The Tarasenko goal. He was standing in front of the freaking net. 
and he whacked at it, what, once, twice, and he scored. This guy over here, a podcast or two ago, said he needs to get in there and just have something knock off of him, get in front of the net, you know, that sort of thing. So genius move on you. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. But we also talked about it yesterday on the fast lane, too. And I just said, you know what, in today's NHL, Vladdy's a big, strong guy. He's got legs the size of tree trunks in there. He's hard to move. I would put him down in front of the net. And the reason I said that is because the game before, Hoffman was in the one-timer spot. Vladdy was in front. Hoffman scores. But if he doesn't score there, if there's a rebound, you've got one of the best goal scorers in the NHL sitting right there ready to pounce. And so, lo and behold, and I actually, guys, I had no idea. Okay, I honestly had no idea. And last night, the very first power play, Vladimir Tarasenko was standing in the blue paint pretty much. And uh, Hoffman's on that same unit. And then Vladdy scores. I'm not going to lie. My head, I had a hard time fitting it through the door after that moment. <laughs> well, you had a hard time fitting it through there before. You just that's had to use more point. butter. That's little, all. little extra. No, but that's the, I'm just, I'm not trying to blow sunshine up your skirt as much as I. Sh- I what I'm Feel saying is listen to this podcast and then just be thinking about it when you're watching the game. And to me, it's even more enjoyable that way. Well, I think too. I mean, the thing for me with with Tarasenko last night. I mean, it's what I said from the get go. When dude works, you can tell. Mm-hmm. And it makes a big freaking difference for the overall offense when he does. I just want to see that more consistently. But also at the same time, I do think that maybe I don't take into account enough how little hockey homeboy has played over the course of the last two years. You're being too nice today. Wow. Rainbows and unicorns, eh, Donnie? No, I oh, want you boy. to bash him again. Oh, I'm boy. A, listen. Oh, boy. Jamie. <laughs> Jamie. <laughs> Jamie. I am just trying to see both sides of things, but I still do have kind of a a, a sneer, not a, a super warm feeling about 91 at this point. I, I want to see, see this continue. Yeah. Okay, let me tell you a little secret about goal scorers, okay? Listen in. Be, be very careful here. Okay. When they score early in the game, they always have great games after that. <laughs> Because they want number two and then number three, maybe? They're, they're happy they got their uh, cookie. They're like, oh, nom, 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 like the cookie monster. And then they're like, oh, my God, that felt so good. I'm so, going to try really hard today. So first period, you already got your point. If Let's you get keep a point going. or a goal uh, for your guys that are offensive guys, it's just a thing. That yeah. makes total it's just sense, a thing. It's like a, a home run hitter, right? Your first at bat, you crack one over the outfield wall. You're probably yeah. going to have a pretty good day at the office. Yeah, once you're one for one, you're swinging for the fence. swinging right? whatever, yeah. right? doesn't yeah. matter. Everything else is gravy. So... Last night, what I saw out of Vladimir Tarasenko, and credit to Chief for putting him in front of the net uh, for a couple of reasons, but it, to go back to that, it drags Tarasenko into a battle. It forces him to be in the dirty area, right? Because if he gets out of there, Chief just says, well, what are you doing? You're supposed to be the net front guy. You know what that is, right? So it forces him to battle with somebody physically, hopefully score a goal. He gets a goal. After that, dude... That dude was two feet off the ice. Yeah, he was. I've never seen him back check like that since the Stanley Cup playoffs when they hoisted the cup. He was the first guy back on numerous back checks. He was aggressive. He had a couple of hits. I was like, this is why you get Vladdy the puck early in the yeah. game. This is why you activate 91 with an assist or a goal is because this is what happens. And it's not a knock against Vladdy. Any goal scorer I've ever played with, if they get their cookies early – it's a great game. And, heck, even I felt that way. And the few and far between, I understand that. But when it got an assist in the first period or something like that, it was like I'm playing with bonus money now because right. I've got an assist, probably a plus one because I wasn't maybe on the power play. Or if I was, now the power play's got a goal. I was like, woo, I'm motivated. 
And so that's what you can see with a guy like Vladimir Tarasenko is he got that goal last night, and he was just going, man. Those legs were pumping. I have a new favorite hockey name. Steven Santini. Yeah. The great <laughs> Santini. The great <laughs> Dude, Santini. What a great name. That is, that is a fantastic name. I would like for you to, uh, can you guys kind of talk about what you saw out of the D last night? Because, obviously, when we're going into the game, knowing no Pareko, no Dunn, and that Krug was a game-time decision. And... No vanilla ice cream. Yeah, and no, no Carl Gunnarsson. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, we. I mean, I was was incredibly concerned. How do you think that 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 they played last night? I know Mikola kind of had he, he looked a little ugly on that goal for sure, but that's obviously a very tough that's position. That's always the way he looks. Oh, you meant just play? Okay, sorry. <laughs> sorry. But just can you kind of talk about that a, a little bit? Uh, Mikola is a guy that I've liked a lot, and he's been gone for what 10, 12 games, something like been that. A while. You could definitely tell that it'd been a while since he'd been. I don't know if he'd not been on the ice at all, but there's a couple times where he still looks like a newborn deer out there. <laughs> A little bit. A little baby bit. Baby giraffe. Yeah, baby giraffe. Yeah, Maybe that's yeah. a better thing. But I tell you what. I've been my... around those more than deer. Mm. Uh, that's a whole other podcast for some reason. <laughs> I'm not sure why. But I tell you what. My my new my new crush back there is Jake Wallman. Ooh. Man, oh, man. You I like don't, a Wally world, I do you? really do. I wish he was about 6'2". No, Jeff. No. No? No, don't Jeff. We, but we've already got a Krug and we've got a Dunn. Yeah, but they're not as good as he is right now. No, they're not, but we've got three of them. <laughs> I keep saying it, but we've got three second basemen back no, there. No, I agree. To, trying okay. to knock people out. And then we already got Krug, who I don't even know what's wrong with it, but we weren't sure if he was going to play or not. Yeah. You know? So, okay, let's... You know what, Donnie? This is where we say there's a lot to unpack here, okay? Mm-hmm. Boy, yeah. it's nice that it happens and it's not me. Yeah, <laughs> no, there's a lot to unpack. So let's adjust, uh, adjust, address Miko, Nico Mikola. Uh-huh. I love the way this kid plays. He's aggressive. He's got that FU. He doesn't care. He cross-checks Nathan McKinnon. He slashes guys. He bumps into guys on purpose after whistles. I love it. He's 6'7". You want to climb that tree? Go ahead, guys. Drop the mitts. You might win the fight. You might because he's not a fighter yet till he gets some confidence. But very few guys are going to want to do that because he's got that reach. And what if he strings you out there and knocks your face off? Okay. <laughs> That's not a risk I'm looking to take. No, it's, it's, face <laughs> off. it's not a real good. Is it a tight game at least? Knock my face off. It would be difficult, right? Yeah. So I like the way he plays. Did he look a little rusty? Well, yeah, of course. You know, he's a young kid, first of all, and he sat out for 10 to 12 games, whatever it's been. That's a tough thing to do. Even as a veteran at the end of my career, where that was my specialty, was sitting out 10, 12 games and coming in and trying to play like I'd never left a lineup. But I had to go, I had resources of 12, 13 years before to use as far as, you know, how to play the game, get out of trouble. I liked what he did. On the penalty kill, who has been able to stop Nathan McKinnon? Who? Sure. I don't care who you put there. If it's Mikola, if it's Victor Hedman. Odds are they're getting that pass through, and he's putting it in the back of the net. So I look at that, and I'm like, I, I just throw it over here in the pile. Yeah, it is what it is. Power play goal for one thing, and it's one of the best power plays in the NHL, and they've been killing us on the power play the last three games. I'm going to throw it over here, and I don't even want to look at it. The rest of it I was okay with. And he's still a young guy. Does he look a little bit like a baby giraffe? Yes, but he's going to get there. Chris Pronger looked like a bit of a baby giraffe his 100%, first couple of years. 100%. I remember that like it was yesterday. You know, so let's just give him some time here to acclimate. But I really like what he brings to the table. And Jake Wallman, I love what he's doing. This kid's playing with so much confidence right now. You watch him carry the puck up the ice, it's incredible. He's making plays. He's going back behind the net. He's the guy that's that's uh, initiating the set breakout. I see a lot of really great things. And Jake Wallman, I'm not going to say that he was out of the mix. But he kind of was, and then he worked his way back in with the training camp that he had this year 
that nobody knew about or nobody watched because it was all COVID-related. But in, internally, the Blues were talking about, wow, he looks pretty good this year. Stuck around with the taxi squad, got a couple of reps, and now look at him go. Okay, he's definitely going to be on your blue line moving forward. He possesses so many great skills. And to your point, yeah, he's not six foot two. I get it. He's not a big bruiser out there. But I don't mind that he skates and moves the puck like that. Yeah. yeah look, if you're going to move on from a Vince Dunn, if, and I say if because I have no idea, he's a pretty darn good replacement, you know, or he's a pretty good next man up for a guy like that. So I really like. Uh, both of those guys, I like what they brought to the table. Santini, I talked to a couple of Blues scouts yesterday before the game. Big guy, moves the puck pretty well, skates pretty good, plays physical. And that's what we saw. Nothing fancy. A couple plays, you could tell he was a young guy. And I was like, oh, he'd like to have that one back. But same token, he hasn't played all year. He hasn't, he hasn't played one single game. That, that to me, was the incredible part about it. And I guess I knew this, but I, it didn't, you know, it kind of dawned on me. You know, for those taxi squad guys, they're just practicing. Yeah. Like, they, you know, and I mean, and not only are you getting into game, you know, a game, but you're getting into a game against the abs. Right, yeah. Buckle up, homeboy. Yeah, I, just I go hope grab, you're ready to roll. Go, Good luck. Go grab 29 and be in his shorts all night. No, I mean, no big deal. It's so oh. incredible. But also, too, he had a pretty decorated college and an amateur career as yeah. well, which I, I just didn't know about. I'm uh, pretty sure he played with Ryan McInnes, Al McInnes' son with the National Development Team Program, which is uh, the highest level you can get to as a U18, U20 player. Uh, so that says a lot about him. He's played 116 games before last night, 117 NHL games now after last night. So he's got, it's not his first time in the pool. Right. Uh, you know, he's he's been in there before. But I thought he did fine. I thought he, he brought... You know exactly what they needed from him. Nothing fancy. Uh, like I said, a couple of things. If you're going to really nitpick, well, yeah. But the one thing that I liked most yesterday about the Blues was the fact that you could tell that team elevated their 200-foot game. And yeah. what I mean by that is you had Mikola. You have Santini. You have Vince Dunn, who's out. You have Pareko, who's out. You have Krug, who you're not sure you're thinking to yourself, oh, my God, this is going to be a disaster mm-hmm. against the Avalanche. I said it yesterday on our show in the Fastlane. Sometimes it goes the other way to where the five-man unit tightens up because the forwards are very aware that it's not the regular staff back there. And your defensemen keep it simple. They do less fancy stuff. They play more aggressive because you can't give time and space. If you do that, you're just dead in the water. So I was really, really um, happy and really impressed with the overall team defense. It was the best five-man unit after unit after unit that I'd seen in a long time and maybe all season so far. Okay, so I'm going to bring the negative then. Of course you are. Uh, Why would you do that? Because I'm asking a question, Donnie. Yeah, it's normally oh, me that does it. Wait, that. I'm sorry. Here's an email that wants to ask, <laughs> ask a question. Uh, I, I think I know the answer to this. Because they're probably the fastest team in the NHL, the Abs, if not one of them. Mm -hmm. But my goodness, getting out of our own end was a chore the last two games. I thought it was better last night. I really do. I thought maybe two games ago was really bad. Well, two games ago we didn't get out of our own end. Okay, then maybe that's more what I'm thinking of. Yeah, and they're fast and they're on it. But what I liked again last night is the Blues played physical. Look at the hits that Barbashev had. Look at Sammy Blay. Look at Justin Falk. 
they were rocking guys, and those guys were getting so ticked off in mm-hmm. the avalanche. They started running. Landis Gog was trying to hit guys late because he was getting frustrated. Nathan McKinnon was laying on his butt a few times. Like the David Perron goal, Justin Falk in the neutral zone's carrying the puck up. Nathan McKinnon goes to finish him because of what he, he'd been hit before. Falk gives him the old how's she going, reverse shoulder, mm, and oh down yeah. goes McKinnon like a ton of bricks. And then, lo and behold, Justin Falk jumps up in the play. The puck finds him at the point, takes a wrist shot. David Perron in front, goal. How frustrating is that if you're Nathan McKinnon? You're like, he's a big, fast, strong guy. He goes to finish it. He's going to be Mr. Tough Guy. And now he's staring at the beams up in the ceiling because he just got <laughs> rocked. <laughs> so, yeah, you know what? There's some times where it's – I always say this, and the, the teams I coach hate it, but I'm like, it's not always a Picasso out right. there, all right? And last night was better. And they've had trouble getting out of their end, but they've had so many different guys in the lineup and trying to get used to things and D pairings. And it is a struggle. It is difficult sometimes. And they all, they're doing what you always say the Blues need to do is to be heavy on the defense. Yep. And, and you're heavy on the defense and you're closing that space along with this, the speed. I guess that's what it was. It just seemed like a, 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 a Thursday night men's league trying to get out of their their own zone. Well, I don't know if I go of that far. Okay, a Friday night. I wouldn't go that far. Uh. But what I did like, though, if we're going to spin this in a bit of a different direction, is that I didn't see the useless uh, the useless regrouping passes. What I mean by that is where they have ice to take, or there's no play, and they look to cycle it back to the D or go back behind the net and keep it. And they cause their own problems that way. Yesterday, I saw a lot more. Okay, I'm out of options. I'm putting it off the wall. I'm advancing it 15, 20 feet, and we're going to go get it up there now. And I've seen that a lot of, uh, from Wallman uh, as far as like flipping it up in the yeah. air as opposed to taking the icing, flip it up in the air just past it's a center great ice. Play, man. It relieves the pressure, but no, but no icing. Well, here's a, I want to ask a, a particular question about – I was thinking about this while I was watching the game last night, and their best player, our best player, Ryan O'Reilly, Nathan McKinnon, all right? Love watching both of these players play. Like McKinnon, and I know being an Av, I'm supposed to dislike him or whatever. And obviously, I don't love him, but I really do like him. He's an amazing freaking player. You're okay to like him as a player. Yeah, he's but he's, in, he's incredible. Yeah, he's incredible. But here's what I want to know: when you're talking about best players in the league, Nathan McKinnon is going to be right up there at the top of that top list. three. Where is Ryan O'Reilly in that? In that list, and I want to know because I'm I'm assuming it's down a ways. Why? Because Ryan O'Reilly does every goddamn thing that you could want a player to do. Is it that Nathan McKinnon just does a couple of those things better? That, that's kind of what I want to. What I want to know why the difference would be so great in where they would be landing in the best in the league. Chicks dig the long ball, Donnie. Okay. Okay, and what that means is, you remember that commercial? I do. Atlanta Mm -hmm. Braves, the home runs. Like, the guys who hit the home runs get all of the attention. Sure. Okay? The guys who score points get all of the attention. Got it. And that's it. Because if you're putting up Ryan O'Reilly against Nathan McKinnon head-to-head in every situation, it's a blowout. O'Reilly's ten times better than he is in every situation except... You know, the the offensive side, the dynamic offense. When Ryan O'Reilly produces offense... It's not always pretty to watch. Mm-hmm. It's gritty. It's hard work. It's in tight. It's tenacious. It's, you know, and then it happens. And he makes great plays, great passes. Look at last night. Made a couple of fantastic plays again. But when Nathan McKinnon, Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews, when they wind it up mm-hmm. and they got them crossovers and they look so <laughs> good and they're tick, 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 and they score. Okay, yeah, it's great. It's pretty. 
You got Ryan O'Reilly, who's more of the, hey, give me my work boots, the hard hat, and get out of my way. And I don't care how many people I've got to drill through here. We're getting to the offensive zone. Right. So that's why he doesn't get the same attention. Now, if I'm building a team, right, I'd be hard-pressed to find a better centerman in the NHL. There's, you know, Bergeron in, in Boston is another guy who's underappreciated, I think, at times. He's been a Selkie Trophy winner. Um, but Ryan O'Reilly, man, he's top 10. In my in my handbook, he's top 10. Ryan O'Reilly, how about this, okay? Let, let's put it in perspective. Ryan O'Reilly will play for the Canadian Olympic team in the next Olympics. So that puts him in the top four centermen in the NHL. That's incredible. Wow, so, that's okay. a hell of a stat. So so then, just, just to kind of go to, to continue on this path just a, a little bit more, or not even a little bit more, I think it just makes me completely convinced that I don't understand what the MVP is in any league in sports that I watch. <laughs> I mean, it's really, offense, man. It, it really, truly and even the is. the Norris Trophy now for best defenseman is offense. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's craziness. I mean, just just the fact that, that when you're talking about best players in the league or MVP, that Ryan O'Reilly doesn't come up in that conversation. I'm not trying to be a homer. That, to me, is just a miss. He doesn't if get I... enough points, though, Donnie. That's the problem. Okay. You know, like, he he's a point-a-game kind of guy. You know, he's right in there. Some of these guys, like Connor McDavid right now, the clip that he's headed at, and some of these other guys, it's incredible. That right. that offensive pace. And as much as I love Ryan O'Reilly, and he would be on my team any day of the week, um, he's just not going to get the MVP notice until he can put up the 90 to 100 points and play the way he does defensively. I uh, like that one bit. You got- I understand. I'm with you, man. <laughs> yeah. Screw the you know what? But we got him here, so it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. We got him here. Uh, you fixed uh, 91. You fixed Tarasenko after saying, here's what we need to do with yeah. him. Uh, let's do the oh, same so thing see? with 17. Why with Schwartz. With no, there's nothing wrong Why with him. I'm talking about Schwartz. He just scored not, two oh goals. Oh, my God. He just scored two goals two I games ago. I said 17. I thought it was Basil McRae. Is that not well, Basil McRae anymore? Can I tell you a quick story about Basil McRae? Uh, oh, probably absolutely. not, but tell us a long No, it, There's actually two stories that were incredible. See, I told you. I'm just going to do it anyways. I'm going to listen to you. <laughs> he turned the hat back around. I'm like, <laughs> let's dig no, in. I've known you since 1995. I barely hear you anymore. So, now, that being said, my first camp here at 1993, Basil McRae, is Razzle Dazzle Basil is oh in the lineup. And uh, two things happened that day. Uh, one, uh, we were playing an inter-squad game, and Tony Twist, like, checked me a little late. This was before the internet. You know, like it was, like you didn't have many scouting reports. I didn't play in the Western Hockey League. I played in the Ontario Hockey League. So as Twister's skating away, I cross-check him in the back. And I'm like, and he turns around and looks at me. I look at him, and then he skates away. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. That's, like, that's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I skate over to the bench, and Basil McRae, as soon as I sit down, he gives me a backhand, a pops me with the glove right in the forehead. And I'm like, what the hell is that for? He's on my team. The hell is that for? He's like, "Hey, dummy, stay away from that guy, or I'm going to have to get involved, and I'm going to get my ass kicked." <laughs> so I, I thought to myself, "I'm like," and they twist her like he's wide, you know, but he's not a tall guy, right. right? So I'm like, "What the hell is going on here?" Well, then I did a little background check after, and I was like, "Oh, oh my god!" Oh. I was 18, 175 pounds, 180 pounds, soaking wet. Twister would have picked me up. <laughs> And stuffed me in a handbag. My goodness. So, yeah. Um, so, Basil gives me a little pop in the forehead and tells me, you know, hey, dummy, don't, what are you doing there? 
Well, the next day at practice, we're running drills, and it's one-on-one drill, and I'm trying to make a name for myself. Like, I'm trying to show the team I'm 18. Like, I've got to show that I can play in this league. Basil McRae's one-on-one with me, and Basil, there's, like, sparks flying, right, from his skates and his stick handling, and it's chopping. There's snow and ice flying everywhere. It ain't pretty, okay? <laughs> and it never was with Basil. He comes in, and he's like, tap, 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 tap. And I just go, poke. And the puck goes back the other way, right? He keeps coming straight at me, pop, punches me right in the face. Like, not hard, but just a pop. My, my, my head flies, I'm like, two, in two days in a row? So now I'm like, let's go. You know, like, what's your problem? And he skates away and, you know, he doesn't waste his time with me. I'm 18. He's like, what the hell is this kid doing? Right. So then we get uh, to the locker room after and I walk over to him. I'm like, dude, what's up? Like, do we have to handle this? Like, let's do it right now. You know, like, this is the way you did it back then. And he's like, kid, practice is my Stanley Cup because I don't get to touch the puck in the games. <laughs> he says, when I come down one-on-one on you, just let me go wide and get a shot on net. He goes, that's all I want is a chance to shoot on the net because I don't usually get that opportunity. Right. I'm like, okay, sounds good. So the next day we did it again. Ole! Just like the bull rider, the bull guy. I'm like, whoa, ole! Go down the wing and shoot it. And he did. Never embarrassed me. Just went down the wing, shot the puck, had fun. Wow. So I was like, all right, bad. That's I mean, all you, dude wanted was to just get a shot. You, you <laughs> owed him that because he saved your life. He did save his <laughs> life. We would not be doing this podcast no. right now. I'd probably still be eating my meals through a straw. Dude, the, the idea of him <laughs> popping on the forehead. Like, like a dad, like a father. And he had the gray in his beard, so it was kind of like, the hell am I doing here? And it's just a poop. What do you like? As a kid, I felt bad. I'm like, what did I do just do to my dad? Like, what right, happened? Yeah. And wow. then you know, now Basil, we played together here uh, for well, for the first full year, I think, that I was here. Just an awesome dude. He's involved with the Columbus Blue Jackets now on the high up, and like he's like a vice president of operations and whatnot. Just one of the best dudes ever. So those stories are always funnier when. It's involving, well, one Twister, who's one of my best friends in the world. So now knowing, you know, that whole thing and then Basil jumping in and doing that. It's just fun. Razzle, dazzle, basil. Yeah. I just remember when he came <laughs> over, I, and I don't know if he came over, if there was somewhere in between Minnesota and here. And I just remember going, we got that guy now? I don't want, because, you know, it was so many years of Basil being the agitator right. and the guy that our tough guy was going to fight, you know? He was tough as nails, man. I'm telling you, Basil could fight forever. Before fighting forever was cool, Basil was doing it. <laughs> like his cardio, I'm not kidding you guys. His cardio in training camp was, he was number one every year, like a 70 VO2. Wow. I'm like, what the hell's wrong with this guy? And then he could fight for two, three minutes and just keep going and going and going. And he was talking to the guy halfway through the fight. (laughs) He was amazing. And that's in an era where you needed three or four tough guys on your team. We had, you know, Chase, McRae, Twist. I forget who else we had. Poshek wasn't here yet. Um, but we had a tough team, and you know, so having Basil was great. Man, oh man! So, uh, real quick, back to last night's game, real quick, and then we can move on. I just thought of this as we were talking about it. Uh, uh, I almost said Chester Bennington, not Jordan, right? Yeah. Jordan, Jordan goaltender. Yeah. I do appreciate Chester's work. Right, yes. the the yes. Lincoln Park stuff Rest was great. Peace, yeah, it really was. God. He wasn't much of a goalie, though. I don't think so. No, I mean, a pretty know. skinny guy. A very unique voice. Yeah, it is uh, almost impossible to duplicate. Uh, I've tried several <laughs> times in my shower, I try every time in my car. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So with Jordan Bennington, the rest of the way, I mean, do you see 
I mean, he's going to be primarily the guy from here on out. I wouldn't see, do you, you know, the backup getting in very much at all. How is this going to work? Because you got to think he played a great game last night, and I would assume you want to kind of build on that. Well, yeah. Obviously, you've yeah. won two in a row with your number one goalie. Uh, in my opinion, Jordan Bennington will be between the pipes tomorrow night in Minnesota. And wherever there's a gap you're going to see Jordan Bennington. So if it's a game, day off, game, day off, game, day off, Okay, I think you'll see Bennington. I do think that Ville Husso, though, will probably get one of the Anaheim games that are left and possibly the L.A. game, which is last on the schedule. The reason I say that is it'll all depend, too, on where the Blues are in the standings, right? So the Blues right now are, what, one point up with three games in hand on the Coyotes. If they win those three games in hand, so three times two, Jeff, Five, six. 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 Really good. Thank you for helping him. Donnie. Thanks, Donnie. Um, So that would put them seven points ahead of the Coyotes with like no runway left. Now you can start to dabble a little bit. You can go, okay, whoso you're going to play this one game we have left against the Golden Knights, or you're going to play this game here against the Ducks, and spot them in so you don't just break your number one goalie before the playoffs come. But if they're in a dogfight all the way to the end, man, I know Craig Berube has gone with Huso, and it surprised me, but I would imagine you'd have to go with Jordan Bennington. I, I would, he would be the first one for me. Barring any injuries or any ma- major changes, do you see the lineup being the way it is until they maybe lose one? Because I know in hockey especially, you win a couple, two, three in a row, the lineup normally doesn't change. Yeah, Chief is good, though. Like, Chief is crazy. He throws curveballs at you because you'll be up winning two or three in a row, and all of a sudden you got a roster change. And it's just because he doesn't believe necessarily in, you know, these are the all every guy was important in that win. It's not that he doesn't think that, but sometimes you need to get guys back going. Uh, 11 and 7, two games in a row, that's a tough formula to continue with. However, what I do like about it is it gets so many guys into the game uh, extra minutes. So hear me out here. You had uh, Sammy Blay and Mike Hoffman on your fourth line. They don't have a centerman. You have Tyler Bozak, Braden Shen. Ryan O'Reilly, I, Ivan Barbashev, that are centermen. You have four other guys who can play center. And I'm probably missing somebody right now who plays center from time to time. Robert Thomas, okay? So there's your fifth guy. You have five guys now that you can rotate in and out of that spot, and that gets them all extra ice time. So if you're a coach, and let's say you're the Minnesota Wild, and you're rolling out your fourth line. Now the Blues are rolling out their fourth line, but it's more like a second line. Because they have Hoffman and Blay who can play offensively. And now if you drop a Braden Shannon between them, you've got a top six. Right, that ain't no fourth line. Yeah. It's not a fourth line. That's a second line. So now advantage blues because your your fourth line, which we'll call it, you know, two B line, two B playing their fourth line, you've got the advantage. So I like the concept a little bit, and especially if Tory Krug's gonna be a little bit banged up, not sure game time decisions. Keep the great Santini going. The kid just wants to get some reps out there. A Pareko comes back. You've got some decisions to make. I personally would like to see Mikola continue to play. Um, you know, I don't know what direction he'd go in at that point. Maybe Santini comes out. Maybe Mikola becomes the seventh guy at that point. But uh, I do like the 11-7 right now for the simple fact that it gives you an incredible matchup when the other team plays their fourth line. Last night, uh, when, when, when Mike Hoffman got, that, got a penalty... Uh, they were talking about, and God, I hate that the way that I have to phrase this because of you two knuckleheads, but uh, it was discussed the length 
of the stick that oh, Hoffman yeah. uses oh, yeah. is the same right. yeah. length as Miko Mikola, who yeah. is a bunch of inches taller. Jamie, why is that? It's all about the inches, first of all, Donnie. Yes. Yeah. I, just, um, I, knew, I knew there was yeah. no way to do it. And, and then it and depends. The grip, too, right? The grip. The, the way they hold it? The stiffness of the shaft Yeah, is sometimes it can look longer the way you hold it. It can. And if you use, uh, depends how you tape the bottom right. of it yeah. as well. Yeah. And depends what kind of knob you use. Yeah, where your knob is, where the hand is in the yeah. knob relation. Some guys yeah. like to put their hand right over the knob. Other guys right. like to leave the knob exposed. Yeah. I just, I was just looking to see what maybe <laughs> the benefits were for Hoffman as far as the NHL uh, ice and, and playing goes. But, you, you know, know we, can, <laughs> we can keep going with this for as long as you guys want to. I got like 11 more. If you, <laughs> right, I've got right. like 20 minutes I, left I thinking, to me here. And, and as, of, as, as you guys are talking, I was trying to think of different ways to frame that. Right, yeah, but no I, there was, there was no just reason. no reason. How about, hey, Hoffman's got a big stick. Yeah. There was you, no good way it to changes, go it. it. changes our answer if you just put the word hockey in front of stick. It, goodness, there's Donnie. nothing we can do. Grow up. Anyway, Anyways. What was the question? Uh, no, he does have a – most guys that are his size would have a stick that's somewhere around the nose, upper lip to nose type thing. He's got it up between the eyes, which is, you know – I don't even know who the hell we're talking about at this point. Mike Hoffman. Mike Hoffman. Okay, Hoffman. Mike Hoffman. I didn't know if it was Mikola or Hoffman No, no. Mikola, <laughs> Mikola is up around the mouth area. Uh, now, that being <laughs> said, uh, for goalies, it's deceiving. A, cu- a couple things. I'll, I'll talk about the release, first of all, and then I'll talk about um, you know why the puck jumps off the stick maybe a little bit more than usual. The release point for Mike Hoffman, if you, if you normally have a guy who pulls the puck in, the goalie is square to the shooter, the blade isn't far behind, right? So the goalie can square up knowing that the puck is basically where the shooter is. When you have a guy like Mike Hoffman who has uh, you know, a longer stick than a normal guy his size would have, well, what happens is the goalie squares up to the shooter, but the blade and the puck are in a different area. So now if you notice a lot of Mike Hoffman's goals end up going far side, it's because the goalies are squaring up to the shooter, but it's the, the release point is coming from a more middle direction, so it's going to the far side or under the arm to the blocker. Makes sense. So that's one thing. It screws up the goalie's uh, ability to square up to the puck. Never mind the shooter because they're squaring up to the shooter, but they're not square to the puck, which means that there's a gap there. Now, for his the, the way it jumps off the stick, and it's just like golf, right? So if you take a driver in golf, they have a restriction on how long your driver can be. The reason being is because with the graphite and the way they make those those drivers and these hockey sticks – the longer it is, the more whip you get out of that stick and the more you can get distance-wise on your drive. Well, nothing different in hockey. So Hoffman's stick being a little bit longer, when he shoots it, it's got a kick point that's different than a shorter. It makes it more flexible, and so it, it jumps off that blade. And when you watch him shoot the puck, even in slow motion, you're like, damn, that just jumps off the blade. It doesn't give a goalie a chance. And so the goalie's already set a little differently because of where the puck is as opposed to the player. And now when the puck jumps off the stick, the goalie has no time to correct where he's at in his crease. That's what makes Mike Hoffman so dangerous. You didn't know that? Son of a gun. <laughs> that makes a whole lot of sense. You, you didn't know that? I, I didn't, Jeff. I didn't. Uh, I, uh, I have two. Uh, they're hockey-related, but non-blues game-specific kind of things to bring up, if okay, you guys don't I haven't mind. seen his stick I ju- yet. I do mind. Oh, okay, great. Go ahead, then, Don. <laughs> Go ahead, Don. I'm uh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Uh, no, what I was going to say was, first of all, a compliment to you, jerk, is that uh, <laughs> speaking of slap shots, this boy can still bring the heat. Oh, Because yeah. we did a little video for the Riz Show the other day, and, and you, everybody will be able to see it, and I'm sure we've talked about it way too much already, at least on the show. 
but Riz lost a competition. He, yeah. had, to, he had to get in full hockey or goalie gear out at the uh, Centene place out there and take shots from this dude. And what we decided, or they decided, he and Riz decided was nine shots, two at, no, three at 50%, three at 75%, and then three at 100%. <laughs> Dude, that's scary. Fifty percent is scary to me. Yeah, when he when you did the fifty, I was like, okay, what was that? And he's like, fifty. I'm like, oh boy, we got a long way to go. We got. It's it's one thing, Donnie, to be in the stands and hear and see and all that stuff, but to be eight feet from the guy when he loads up, I can't imagine. It was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. And I'm not going to spoil the video, but you got to watch shot. I'm saying shot eight is the one to watch. I, I was just, Am I right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Man, I was thinking about that. Like, I, as you guys I had were to doing buzz that, the tower. Oh, boy. <laughs> Dude, I was just like, man, that would petrify me. Oh. Like, that would be very scary and, for me. And again, I don't want to spoil the whole video, but the way we set it up was he's out there warming up and then we come out and he's just rattling slap shots off the boards. <laughs> As Riz goes, oh crap! Oh, that wasn't the word he used. <laughs> right, but yeah, right, right, right. Well, people, wow. and you know, you're right. When you get down and right into the the moment, it's different. People don't realize how fast that puck moves. Okay, and so think about a goalie first of all, trying to track a puck from player to player to player, and then it comes off the stick at ninety to hundred miles an hour through traffic. And now you've got to make not just the save, you've got to make sure you don't give up a crappy rebound. It's a whole new respect for goalies, but it's also, and I'll go to the defenseman because that's where I played, and I did a lot of shot blocking. The goalies have the gear. They've got a mask. They've got all this fancy gear, these pads that they wear. Look at guys like Robert Bortuzzo. Look at other guys that drop down in front of shots. They're taking those 100-mile-an-hour shots off of, like, bare skin. Yeah. It's just like whap. And you, when you hear no noise, that's bad because that means it hit somewhere soft on yeah. you. And they do it time and time again. You saw yesterday, that puck's moving. Oh, yeah, that puck is moving and hitting you in the sh- in the, the shin pads or whatever they're called. Or the, how about the, in the, the ankle? The pillow. No, but what I'm saying is hitting you in the pillows is not the safe spot because you feel <laughs> yeah. that too, don't oh, you? Yeah, you feel it right through. You know through. that thud that you hear yeah, up in yeah. Section 300? <laughs> right. That's, they're feeling that down there, sure. man. It is Oh, yeah, ridiculous. I've seen goalies come in between periods and drop a pad down and put an ice bag on their shin because they took one that was, like, just too much. <laughs> Meanwhile, I go in to take a shot on Riz, and I fell on my face. <laughs> <laughs> did it look like I did it on accident? Because it, it was totally on purpose. I thought you did it for the camera. Yeah, I did. I did it, it for the kids. I did it for the kids. You know, but, I mean, it's it nice. It was fun, though. We had a great time. Uh, we got to... Use the alumni locker room oh, over at Centene, which is so cool. amazing. And yeah. they let us use the ice, and they were cool. It was yeah, fun. it was really neat. And the other thing I want to bring up, and this is courtesy of The Athletic and Jeremy Rutherford telling me about it. By the way, Athletic guy now. Hey, good. By the way, thank you Got very much. Got boy. Yeah. Very good. It was really, really neat to see that, and it wasn't uh, JR. Is it okay to call him JR since I'm now a member? Yeah. Are no, you sure? You call him Jr. Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah, I don't know if his nickname is off limits. Okay, I'm just saying. I love you, Jr. But I just don't know if it's off limits. You're right. Listen, I don't know. I don't know Jr. Well, what people call Riz, Riz. Yeah, that's true. Dude, you know? I, 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 I don't know this like for that. sure, but I cannot imagine that Jeremy would have a problem with us calling him Jr. Okay, even I've never in the met the man. We've, oh, dude, he's the communicated he's the nice. via my my telephone because I have the internet on it, mm-hmm. uh, but I haven't spoken to him face to face. But anyway, he didn't write this article, but because I follow him on the Twitter as uh, Twitters I went and, and uh, read it on the athletic about uh, David back is coming back here uh, with his current team Anaheim Mighty Ducks and he had a night I guess he had a moment 
not too long ago. I don't know if it was his last home game or what it was, but his family was there, and he was skating around waving everybody, and then some of his teammates kind of were like, hey, go you. And I don't want to spoil the whole thing, but it'd be kind of cool if Anaheim dressed him when they came here so that we could say hello to him one more time. They better. I mean, especially if they're not in contention for a playoff spot. You got a guy who's very well respected in the NHL, uh, did a great job not only as a player but as a captain who's been a pillar in any community that he's been involved in. He's been a huge part of raising money for different charities. On the pet rescue side, he's been phenomenal. So to me, if I'm the head coach, if I'm Dallas Eakins in Anaheim, being a former player, knowing how special it could be, especially now that there will be hopefully four to 5,000 people in the building, hey, let's dress David Backus. Let's let him play the game on your fourth line. Who cares? Right. He's not going to hurt your team. He's not. And it might be his best game of the season because it could be his swan song. Yeah. David Backus on record the last couple of days talking about how, you know, uh, that it's not a possibility for him to retire. It's a probability. And that he's still, you know, he's not going to, in the emotions of everything right now, he's not going to say anything. And obviously that's smart for him to do. But if you know all of this and he gets to go back to the city where he was a captain and did so much for Dude, not only do you dress him, you start him. Yeah, for sure. That's where I go. And, and I know, I fully know that we'll have a David Backus montage video someday down there once he's Better. retired. But it's it's really it'd be really cool if he was still an active player when I say we when we when we uh, would do that. Um, boy, he's a hell of a player, boys. He, he really, played the game hard. Oh, I know what I was going to ask. You know, he played the game right. He did a lot of things. He deserves the, the utmost respect from everybody surrounding him. I today. guarantee you he's the guy that you mentioned the other day that at this point of the uh, season you better be have ice bags from head to toe Oh yeah, after the game. Absolutely. He blocked shots. He hit. He fought. He did everything. He battled in front of the net. David Backus – was a huge reason that uh, the Blues as a franchise had a turnaround. Ken yeah. Hitchcock came in. You had Alexander Steen. You had a whole bunch of guys that were your core at the time, and David Backus was a huge part of that. So I, I think you got to give credit where credit's due. Is he a guy, speaking of alumni, is he a guy that comes back here? He hasn't been back since he signed with Boston a couple times in and out. Um, so who knows where he'll end up ultimately but he's definitely a guy that will, once he retires, he will come in for events. He definitely will be a part of whatever we do with the alumni. That's fantastic. It absolutely. To me, the, the well, this is a weird way to phrase it, but the only bad thing about the whole Stanley Cup run for me was a tattooed of all of the guys that had to be playing on Boston. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was freaking David Backus. I hated that. Yeah. Just because I know, I mean, for all of you guys that, that want to win one, I cannot imagine that feeling of being with the Blues for all of those years. The good times, the bad times, which there were more of bad than good, unfortunately, probably in his tenure. And they finally win the Cup, and you are playing on the opposite yeah. team. That is like triple punishment, man. You're not watching it on TV. You're watching it right there. Right yeah, there. He had some things to say about it, too, afterwards. He just said, uh, like, he's a classy guy. He's extremely happy for Alex Petrangelo. You know, he was the captain following David Backus, and he was very happy for the city of St. Louis, loved everybody here in his time here, but at the same time was obviously very bitter because it was his crack at the Stanley Cup, and he didn't get his, he didn't get his champagne out of the cup as a player. Right. So but tough, I, tough stuff. But, I mean, at the time, even those of us that loved David Backus – 
when we saw that deal that he signed with Boston, we were like, uh-uh. Like, Actually, I thought it was good. You did. I thought I thought that it was an okay deal. It was a five-year deal. It was an okay deal for Boston? I thought mean? it was okay for Boston. Yeah, I really did. I, I didn't anticipate um, maybe the drop-off that was coming. Okay. Okay. Uh, and I know that he wanted seven or eight years here, and Army was just like, yeah, I love you, man, but no. And then Boston came with a five-year deal, and I was like, you know what? Five years is probably not terrible. Probably better if you went three or four, but five years, I get it. You're rewarding a guy for what the back of his hockey card says, you know, his stats and what he's done, and you're like, okay. I don't know if he was ever really utilized the right way in Boston. Uh, He was put more of in a third or fourth-line role, and then fourth-line in particular. Then he was running around trying to fight everybody because – he thought that was the way to stay in the lineup. Then he had some concussion problems, right? So so who knows what a healthy David Backus would have looked like in Boston. To me, he wasn't really healthy for the majority of his time there. And the concussions were a huge part of it. So tough. I liked the five-year deal. I thought it was accurate. Uh, you can never anticipate a- injuries and how that works. So that was tough, too. Man, oh, man. That's got to be a guy that his body is just going to be barking for the rest of his life. Oh, I yeah. can't imagine. Well, and you see, like yesterday, and even though I don't like him at all, but that cat from Chicago, Andrew Shaw, oh, yeah. having to retire early due to concussion symptoms. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't like him at all, but the You'd ability. you love him as a blue, though. Mm-hmm. I, I would. I would. I don't know, though, man. I'm not down with my players throwing out homophobic stuff on the ice. And that dude did that. Okay. And, and that... Didn't know that. Okay. So I understand heat of battle stuff. Heat of battle, and look at the league and society as a whole. And you go back to that point a lot. And on you're on the football field, you're on the hockey rink. There's a lot of stupid stuff that gets said. I get it. I'm not for it. I'm not one that says, "Oh yeah, it's okay." I don't think it's okay at all. I'm just saying that I don't think a book can be completely evaluated properly with one page in it. That's that is a it's a good point, and I understand that. But I'm saying there are a lot of these types of guys in the Chris Draper whatever mold that if they were on my team, I'd like them. I'm just saying that's one I could go without. I respect it. Yeah. You know, that's yeah, all I'm saying. I respect Absolutely. it. Donnie. You know what? Let's end on a positive because we are on a win streak. Yes, and and uh, we're in the playoffs right now. I like that. Okay, so let's just end a on lot. positive. Let's That's end this quickly to... before that changes. Okay. <laughs> it is the Last Minute Blues podcast. Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton, Jamie Rivers. Download the podcast. Share with your hockey-loving friends. And uh, as always, and most importantly, let's go Blues. The Last Minute Blues podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors, We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.